0: This is definitely for everyone, but I'll start with this. Sometimes, as men, we can spend a lot of time in our own thoughts, and without proper company, we can get lost and find ourselves in a dark space. Talking about concerns normalizes matters,
1: and sometimes makes it easier to move forward. Guys really don't seek out health information or health care unless like their arm is falling off i mean it's got to be something so extreme that the you know you know i think the biggest thing is that we've talked to guys and they're like yeah i haven't been to a doctor in 10 years and it's just like though you have to get your blood work done you've got to go visit the doctor that's patrick alonzo he and his friend cameron Carruthers met in pharmacy school
2: now they have a podcast men's health unscripted um, a big issue though men have is that we also don't address our own health as often. We tend to put others kind of before ourselves. We put our careers, our, you know, our lives, and s- essentially minus our health in front of us. So it's something that everybody kind of struggles with. So we kind of wanted to create a platform where it's kind of comfortable, but still kind yeah. of very accessible and it fits the idea for men. So we can kind of discuss health, kind of get this knowledge out there, um, and try to help prevent a lot of these unfortunate occurrences with, you know, just health conditions, suicide rates and things like that that do happen that definitely could have been avoided.
0: Something he's alluding to is suicide. According to the Centers for Disease Control in the United States, the suicide rate among men in 2020 was four times higher than the rate among women. Men make up 49% of the population, but nearly 80% of suicides. That's exactly why Patrick
2: and Cameron invite women to the conversation, the older generation, where they're very ingrained in this, they don't want to talk to us. And luckily, a lot of times' out with their families. So we've had like their wives and daughters drag them over or even like distinctly tell them you need to talk to these young men about some stuff. And then you see with the younger folk, luckily, kind of the dynamics are changing a little bit more. So guys are a little more open to stop and talk to us. So we've had. Uh, people come by and not know what certain conditions are, or certain concerns would be. And then we would have full on conversations, uh, kind of teaching the community, kind of showing some light on some of these things they may have. Because uh, I think we had somebody unrelated to mental health, but we had somebody come up and it was a guy. I think he never heard of prostate with the prostate mm-hmm. before something like that. Um, so it was a physical, you know, component, but we were able to kind of discuss the health side on that. So it really reflected some light on how unaware people can be of their health overall.
0: Another space that is encouraging discussions about mental health is the sports arena. When you have a coach that's yelling at you
3: right in your face, you know, some athletes can't handle that. And when you get to the higher levels, you will still see maybe some of that because I don't think the baby boomer effect has taken a totally shift yet. Cause you still have a lot of coaches that are old school and they're becoming more aware of the mental health awareness now because of, you know, deaths, um, you know, people coming out of uh, different type of uh, anxiety and depression, panic
0: attacks. Dr. Michael Jones specializes in therapy, specifically for athletes and the folks who guide them. He coaches and he coaches coaches. He runs the Jones coaching firm. He's also an author. He wrote motivating illustrations of faith in basketball. Dr. Jones also played at the college level. He really leans into building men. And The biggest thing with men, I can't really
3: speak from a women's perspective, biggest thing with young men, we keep things bottled up. Yeah. And what happens is when it's ready to burst, it comes out in the weirdest moments. It could be in a locker room. It can be in the game. And, 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 it, and it formulates in a technical file. And you're trying to figure out, we had a great bus ride the whole way here what is going on with this young man? Because he was fine a few minutes ago. The stress level of coaches winning is taking a toll. Now, don't get me wrong, I think the, the business model for coaches at the higher level, especially in college, they have to, they get paid to win. And if they don't win, they go home. And a lot of coaches are seeking programs, and I was one of them. Um, my coach told me two things. He told me, if you're going to coach college basketball, you're going to, have to do two things. You're going to have to be in a marriage ministry once a year, and you need to be a part of a black coach association because of the also the, 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 the racism that you also deal with, too, unfortunately. But giving that, the one thing I will say this, in basketball, I really never had to deal with it because it was always a camaraderie of friendship and fraternity of brotherhood when it came to sport. But unfortunately, you still have those issues. But going back to the original question, the the issue is, is that the stress level and programs that they have in place now, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they have a thing called Coach's Timeout, where you can take your spouse and they put you up for a weekend. You go through some workshops, but you also get a chance to go out and have a date night. You have a chance to, to reconnect. These are things that coaches need because let's be real. At that high level, you lose your family. At that high level, you're gone all the time. At that high level, it's, it's a roller coaster.
0: Mm.
3: And some families do not make it. That's the sad part. Out of championships, victories, wins, some families just do not make it
0: out together. And that's the sad That is the part that we don't really talk about. And from a fan standpoint. Yes. They don't really see the athlete as a person. They dehumanize them and see them as someone who can bring results. And the same right. goes for the coach. So if anything right. else falls apart in his or her life, right, we got that trophy, we got that ring, and that's all that right. seems to matter. Absolutely.
3: And, and now I'm working with um, you know, a college team, and we do Bible study. I'm working with their coaching staff um, because they see the need for it. The, the thing of it is, is is that these coaches are are looking for every competitive edge to be successful, and the hard part of it is you know how how do you how do you stay successful when your budgets cut how do you stay successful when you don't get much as room and board like other institutions do how do you stay successful you know when the the shift of uh the portal and the n i l is coming into play it, it's tough mm. it's tough. Mm-hmm. Coaches have to be a lot more in tune with a relationship with their players now, outside of the sport itself, because what you traditionally had in the eighties and nineties, these kids don't got, and that's what you call parents. They might have single parent, they might have no parents, they might have grandparents, they might be foster. So therefore, coaches was like that in the eighties and nineties. They were your dad, your mom, and this and that, but. The problem now is is that you have to have a more in-tune focus now for that athlete because what worked in the 80s
0: and 90s is not going to work in today's games. It's just not. It's interesting you say that because um, I'm thinking, you know, clearly a one-size-fits-all does not fit all. That's correct. And, and you know, I would often hear, well, this is what my coach did to me. And I'm like, well. And he's like, "I turned out just fine. And I'm like, Did you <laughs> <laughs> right I'm not so certain you did, but okay right. um and and that approach, as you mentioned, was not necessary. I'm thinking, I don't need this. I just need to know that you see me and that you care, and that translates to me that you don't and you don't um right. what uh What did you learn about yourself as a coach on that collegiate level at that time? That athletes really needed, because you were coming from being an athlete at mm-hmm. that point. I always,
3: well, I always knew that basketball was just another tool in a toolbox to teach me about life. And and the truth of the matter, if if I'm allowed to say this, it, basketball actually taught me about who Christ was as well. Really? And and I think. And and if we go back to history, James Naismith that developed the game was a minister. So it has that Christian, um, you know, relationship with it. But the point of it is, is that it was used as a tool or measuring stick to find out like, hey, I know how hard it is to be an owner of a business. I can tell if you're going to be a good business owner or not, or how much time you put in on your own. Is going to dictate what type of job you're going to have or what type of work ethic you're going to have. So I kind of looked at it as a tool and I always taught life lessons when I coached. So, and that's what coaches did for me and, and still to this day. So I used it as a way of a, just a tool, but not the one-off softball because when we think about athletics, we always look at it with tunnel vision. Like I can only do this as an athlete. No, there's bigger spectrums. I could be, uh, I could be a commentator. I could be, a coach, I could be an administrator, I could be an official, I can be an AD. But if you don't teach that and then let people know the value of it,
0: then they're not going to know that there's more to life than just being a ball player. And for the men who don't have it in them to say exactly what they need or even know that they
1: need help. You might not feel like laying in bed once or once in a while here and there is really that bad. Maybe you just need rest. But when Laying in bed or not seeking pleasure or finding joy in the things that you used to, there's an issue. And so I think that a lot of guys just kind of push that to the side. And it's just like, well, I'll feel better tomorrow. And it just never comes.
0: Cameron, what have you learned about yourself and having these conversations with other men?
2: Well, definitely learned that we all still suffer from that same same kind of concern same issue um big reason why i definitely started up with with pat kind of got involved with this is you know my military background we are quite susceptible to having some of that like mental health concerns um the military is a very you know rough and tough kind of uh social social grouping for that so we don't talk about our health we don't really go out seeking for as much health resources as i would say the typical um individual would because we want to make ourselves seem to be like, we're the big strong guys. We don't need this kind of thing. Um, so talking to patients, talking to the community, getting out there, talking to people, kind of made you realize, you, you know, myself, I still struggle with some of these mental things from, I have did two deployments to Afghanistan. So there's like wartime stuff, um, you know, friends that we've gotten out of the military, you know, they've had, they've succumbed uh-huh. to some of the demons that, you know, they've had experience in their lifetime too. So it's kind of a, a heavy emotional weight, that you do have to carry, and then I don't seek out as much help as I should. I know 100% I probably never would reach that point where I'd be seeing all the help you need, and sometimes that's just kind of a a balance for yourself. Um, but it did make me realize I do need to go see people, so I've started to uh, you know, see therapy uh, through the VA. I get my health care through the VA, so I go to see them, um, things like that. So it kind of gives you like a good mirror to reflect upon yourself when you're talking It almost, It
0: almost seems some men are dying to be tough. Yes, um, as
2: well worded as it can be, yes.
0: Is there ever a moment that, you know, you found yourselves saying, you know what, I need to go talk to, it. you know what, no, they they wouldn't understand anyway. They wouldn't understand. And so you almost talk yourself out of uh, even starting that conversation because you feel like maybe
2: whoever that someone is can't relate, even if it's a paid professional. I think uh most men probably have that conversation every day with themselves. Mm-hmm. I know I definitely have it more often than, you know, than I would like to, um, but it's kind of a consensus and, you know, the male world, put it that way, um, that nobody really cares. Not really the relation could be an issue, just not no one really cares. Cause in the day, it's still like our problem. We have to carry whatever, you know, maybe stressing someone or ailing someone we kind of consider it to be our weight to bear. And we don't like to share it kind of with other people.
1: What do you make of that, Patrick? So a good example would be the first time I sought out therapy was in pharmacy school. I was recently uh, dealt with the death of my grandfather, who I love very much, and was a huge impact on my life. And while he was passing away through dying, I just started working more at my old job. And I Mm. just was telling my boss, like, ramp up my hours. I don't want to deal with this. And so I found myself masking the sadness that I was experiencing through him um, passing away with just working more. And finally, when I got to pharmacy school, I started learning about mental health. It's something I never even thought about before. And I got to pharmacy school when I was 30. So that's 30 years of not knowing what mental health was. And I I went through the USF system because it was free for students. And to be honest with you, Like this is for all guys out there. I went through like three or four therapists at USF before I found one that understood or at least not understood, but at least could identify and help me um, with some of the issues that I was having with family, myself, my past and everything in between, where a lot of the the therapists there were good therapists, but they just weren't equipped for an older student that has just like lived a lot of lives already. So Um, I would tell guys out there that just because the first one, if you find one that doesn't work for you, keep looking because not every single therapist is going to be a match. And that's definitely something
2: to reiterate. Um, That's a message that a lot of guys need to hear and understand is it is a relationship you're having with this individual and not every relationship clicks, you know, immediately on the first try. So sometimes you may have to find another individual. So, I don't, I, you know I wouldn't put down the therapist say that they're unable to do this or something like that. Um, they probably are just like a different set of relationship style compared to yours. So sometimes you do have to go from one to the other to find one that fits. I've had a lot of my friends from the service they try one person, they don't it doesn't click, doesn't fit for them and they quit immediately and then of course that's problematic in the future.
0: You know, to the point of the conversation we were having just a moment ago about maybe someone can't understand, they can't empathize, and it took me back to that uh, that comment made by Chris Rock in one of his stand ups saying that only women, children, and dogs are loved unconditionally.
2: Yes, <laughs> uh, you
0: guys are <laughs> nodding your head, but emphatically, like yes, yes. As as a man, um, well, it's different. If you know, you know, right. The uh, next
3: step is. We need to make mental, mental health awareness
0: a part of our daily lives. Yes, we do. And if you or someone you know needs help, do this. Dial 988. Also, share this episode with people because uh, we want you to check in on folks. And check out Dr. Jones' book. And listen to Patrick and Cameron's podcast, Men's Health Unscripted. And remember, we do these biweekly. These frank conversations, so check out previous episodes. Until next time, have a good one.